Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm Stu, I'm your host Stu, and I'm joined. Oh, it's a while since I've done this, lads. Um, I'm joined, <laughs> as always, by Tom King. Hello. And by Chris Evans. Hello. Hello. How is everyone today? Good. Had a nice relaxing weekend. And how about you, yeah. Tom? You good? It it was odd not having. Formula One in a weekend for the first yeah. time in a while. Because yeah. it's, it's nice. been so long we waited for it, it was so weird it's suddenly been gone again. <laughs> yeah, well, you've had three in a row to, to sort yeah. of snaffle down on as well. So, yeah, it's difficult <laughs> to find something to do on the uh, on the Saturday that has nothing. I, I, for one, really enjoyed the Saturday. I bet you did, yeah. For a change. Um, <laughs> although there was no Formula One racing, still plenty of stuff's been going on in the world of Formula One. And Chris is going to give us some news. Back into our new favourite feature, calendar news. We all have a bit Ooh. of calendar news Ooh. this year. Um, we'll start with the the sad stuff, and that's the USA, Mexico, Canada, and Brazil are now all officially cancelled for this season. It's a shame to lose them, but it's the most sensible choice in the yeah. circumstances, isn't it? None of those yeah, places so. look likely to be travelable to anytime soon. Um, I do hope, particularly for USA, that... It doesn't hurt that race going forward. Like F1 has sort of dipped in and out of America over the years, and it kind of feels like it's really found a home at Circuit of the Americas. Yeah. Like Austin seems to have really taken to it. So yeah. hopefully this is just a one-off blip. And the the guys that own the circuit said that this race was on the way to being the um, highest ticket sales across the three days that they've ever had there. So. The appetite's still there for it, so hopefully things can carry on as normal next year. Yeah, um, yeah hopefully. Yeah, sure and obviously Brazil, Brazil's a race that's sort of, there's been rumblings of it struggling to be on the calendar for a number of years now. So, although they've since they made that last batch of improvements, it seems a bit more stable, doesn't it? So hopefully they won't be too affected either. Yeah, I'd, you know, these being cancelled, I don't think like, you know, we look at, look at the, the ones that have been cancelled, USA, Mexico, Canada, Brazil. Canada's not going anywhere, is it? Canada's no, like no. an absolute hot ticket. Brazil, I don't think Brazil's going anywhere. Like I think given that they've spent a lot of money refurbishing the circuit and the pit area and stuff. Yeah. Um, it was this year they were supposed to be doing the pits, the new pits, weren't they? They've, they've done some stuff in the past recently. Like, what, about two years ago, I think, they did some stuff to the pits. And yeah. then there was more schedule, but... You know, now's an ideal ideal time to do anything like that, I guess, yeah. isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, and then Mexico. Mexico is like a great circuit. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. one of the highest attended races going, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. And the baseball stadium they have set up, like, yeah, the amazing. track winding through the stadium, just so, so cool. That's not going anywhere. And then USA, yeah, USA, again, it's, it's such a... It's almost a blue ribboned event, I would say, the USA Grand Prix. It's different from every other race in its own way. Like, yeah. do you remember when Liberty first took over and there were, um, like, basically big intros for each drive? Oh, yeah. By um, the, by the what's his name? Bloke. Yeah. And the, and the superimposed eagle. We can't forget the eagle. Oh, yeah. Eagle. Yeah, the eagle. <laughs> the eagle. <laughs> the deaf eagle. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's so... That's that's four we're definitely not having. As we've said, I think, last week and the week before, the Chinese Grand Prix is probably going to be changed from postponed to cancelled any time now, we think. Um, although F1R supposedly in the next few days is going to be announcing a new deal that will keep the race at the 
Shanghai International Circuit until at least 2025, which is which is good. I think I think it's good for F1 to have a race in China, and it's it's a decent circuit. It's one of the better of the new Tilka circuits, I think. Yeah, yeah. I say new. It's been around for donkey's years now, hasn't it? It's not necessarily a new one anymore. No, it's really not. Yeah, what's the last Tilka circuit? Probably the. USA Grand Prix, right? It's a Tilka uh, Bahrain, technically. Uh, not Bahrain. Uh, Baku, I think, technically. Yeah. Which I, know it's, I know it's a street circuit, but he did technically have a hand in helping okay. lay it out, I believe. Yeah. The proper, I, so. I mean, proper circuits, then, if we're talking about proper circuits. It's got to be the circuit of the Americas, right? Uh, did he not help um, renovate Mexico as well? That They were around the same time, weren't they? They both came, came onto the calendar. Mexico is it the season after or a season or two after the states? I think. Good question. I couldn't um, tell you. I couldn't tell you. I know he, like the last complete circuit design must have been the USA Grand Prix. Yeah. I can't. I can't think of a full circuit since, um, yeah. unless I'm just drawing a complete blank. But yeah, I, I think he's had his hand in other bits and pieces since then. But that's like the last. Ah uh, no, Sochi. I think Sochi is probably his most recent one. See oh, again though that's that's I guess that's kind of a bit like that's mixed. technically <laughs> it's technically a street circuit in a yeah. way I guess I don't know yeah. it's a weird one Sochi but yeah, yeah if you go from a literal circuit. blank canvas to circuit it is coated by the looks of it yeah it's got yeah. it's gonna have to be and they're it? your ones they're the ones that you want to be creating if you're Hillman Tilker you want a blank canvas you want to exactly be, you want, yeah yeah you don't want to be compromising you don't want to be messing around. Otherwise, you just sat drawing a line on Google Maps, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. anyone we've can all do that. we've all tilted Google Maps a few times. <laughs> <Yeah. between> <laughs> <us>. <laughs> um, but on a more positive note, we do have three new races on the calendar. Uh, so we have the Eiffel Grand Prix, which is at the Nurburgring, October 9th to eleventh. The Portuguese Grand Prix, which is at the Algarve Circuit, October twenty third to twenty fifth, and then the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, which is at Imola on October 31st to November 1st, mm. which the more eagle-eyed among you will notice, that's only two days because the Imola yes. race is going to be a two-day event, uh, chiefly just because of the logistics of getting people from Portugal to Italy in the space of a mm. week um, more than anything. They've not really given any details of exactly how that two-day event's going to work yet, but whether that'll mean they'll just pack everything into two days or sacrifice a practice session, we don't know I yet, but we'll have to see. I think they're sacrificing, they are sacrificing a session. It's, I don't it, know which. I mean, it's a perfect example to find out how a weekend goes without it that really Friday is, yeah. session, isn't In it? In fact, I, I believe they're ditching Friday altogether and just having one practice session, then qualifying, then... Oof, that'd be interesting. Race. I mean, I what, what better way to convince teams to go along with a reduced weekend than say we can either have a race at Imola and it'll only be two days with reduced session or you can not have a race at Imola like no one's going to say no to that are they really yeah yeah Eiffel Grand Prix that's an interesting name for uh for the German Grand Prix yes so the the Imola one which is the what as I said the Emilia Romagana Grand Prix that's basically um it's named for the region that the circuit's in, and it's kind of almost a, 
a nod to the officials in that region that have helped to put the thing together. Because obviously Imola traditionally was a San Marino Grand Prix. Yeah, they, they didn't fancy San Marino, did they not? <laughs> well, it was always a stupid name for it anyway, because the circuit's nowhere near San Marino. It was purely yeah. called that as an excuse to have two Italian Grand Prix, but in the rules, you're not allowed two Italian Grand Prix. So There was there was another one similar to that. I'm trying to think what it was. Um, where it was named after a country that it wasn't actually in. Well, it, but it, it nearly bordered it. I can't think what it was. Well, let's let's test that knowledge then. Uh, Nurburgring, as I said, is the Eiffel Grand Prix. Again, that's named for the region that it's in. Why they've not called this one the German Grand Prix, I'm not certain. I would assume it's some kind of contractual thing, given that Hockenheim oh, yeah. has been a German Hockenheim Grand Prix in recent years, yeah. possibly. Yeah. So this is actually going to be the fourth different name for a Grand Prix at the Nurburgring. Uh, obviously, it's Ooh. been. German in the past. Uh, yeah. Can you name any of the other ones it's been? European, surely. It was European for a good number of years, yeah. The fourth one I'd completely forgotten about, which may be the one you were thinking of, Tom. Is, isn't is the one... I don't know if it'll be this one or not, because of the distance, but isn't the one that's named after, as the Luxembourg Grand Prix? It was, yeah. Two yeah. years, the Nürburgring was the Luxembourg Grand Prix. Which that's is, what I, that is what I was thinking of when I was saying before. I think the yeah. circuit's about 50 miles from the border or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, the, the full Nordschleife circuit's probably as big as all of Luxembourg. It's a <laughs> ludicrous name for a race. Yeah, yeah That's but like um, London Luton Airport, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. I think, doesn't, wasn't, there, wasn't there like um, a regular race in, in German motorsport that was at Nürburgring that was called like I, Eiffel something I can't remember. it's named after the Eiffel Mountains that it's in probably DTM yeah, yeah which, which think... is maybe why they've adopted the name as well because like you say it's the region and I think that there was like a you know like you have Le Mans and it's like the prestigious race I think there was a prestigious German race that went round the full Nordschleife circuit that was Eiffel something yeah like I think you might be right like mm-hmm. I'm talking like probably like 60s 50s maybe mm. it sounds familiar and likewise i think the name they're using for imla is similar to a name that's been used for moto gp <laughs> races there in the past as well yeah mm. Mm. a lot of a lot of useless information flying around this podcast it really is it? yeah um <laughs> so what do we think about these three tracks for having f1 races awesome i think um the 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 grand prix at Portimao, the Porsche, portuguese grand prix um, yeah. is going to be excellent i mean that's really the one i'm most excited for yeah that's a really yeah. interesting track so we, we mentioned this last week there's so many undulations to it and and differences in height well that's i just described an undulation to you yeah. um <laughs> and blind bends things like that it's a really really dynamic track um there's opportunity there are opportunities to overtake on that track as well yeah for sure i think it's that that should be a good one and i think Imola will be good yeah. and we've we all know and love nurburgring anyway yeah the i, I think Portugal's probably the one that was up there for me and it was that was one of the ones I listed that I'd like to I'd like them to hopefully yeah. add that at, at the start of the season when we were saying you know where where would you like to go if we can and that was one and it's purely from just personal sim racing plodding around on it so much and like hmm. feeling like I know it I'd, I'd love to actually see an F a modern F1 car go around it but like you say it should hopefully produce some good racing because of yeah. the the layout and the the breaking points and stuff like that. So, I have a I have an interesting question for you both. Mm. If you're Lewis Hamilton, how do you feel about racing at Imola? 
Um, where your hero was... Yeah, has he... He's probably never raced there, has he, I don't think? Uh, not, well, not in F1. I don't think none of the feeder series he's raced in would have raced there either. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hamilton so... already holds the record for most most different circuits won at. So, I mean, this is just an opportunity for him to extend that record, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if he raced in GP2 there. Oh, he did race. He would have raced at Imoli. He would have. Ah, uh, okay. 2006 yeah, so season, um, supporting the San Marino Grand Prix. So oh, okay. So there. it was he's just probably, done... probably there at the last Grand Prix then they had there. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Um, but in a, in a Formula 1 car, obviously, especially in 2020, very, very different scenario. Um, yeah. He's, he's got to be itching to win that one, I think. Oh, I think for to sure, get that yeah. one under his belt, like where you, you know, where, where it means that circuit means so much to the man he it's idolized. A, a proper classic circuit as well. Yeah, it, it really is. Like close, you know, uh, all the barriers are really, really close. It's a proper old school track. It's a bit like Silverstone in Canada, really, isn't it? And, and Hungary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we definitely. know how dominant Hamilton's been at those circuits in the past. So yeah. going to be interesting to see if that carries through into uh, into into this one. Just a thought: is is Imola still named after Enzo Ferrari? I believe the official name is still that. Yeah, yeah, the Autodromo Internazionale Enzo Edino Ferrari. So it's it's another race named after. Well, it's another it's another link to Ferrari in a yeah. season full of wars for them. I guess is what, yeah. three, that's where I was going with that. I love technically that. three <laughs> Italian Grand Prix yeah. in a season where Ferrari oh, aren't looking like winning any of them. You couldn't write it, could you? <laughs> you really Absolutely couldn't. Absolutely brilliant. It's not going to go down brilliant. well at all, is it? I was going to say I don't. People seem most excited about Imola. I still don't think it's going to produce a fantastic race. I think of the three circuits, the Algarve circuit is probably the one that's going to be most interesting. Although then again, the Nürburgring in October, we all know yeah. what happens when it rains there. We might Could have another quiet. half the grid slithering off at turn one situation again. Yeah. Mm. It's cool though. It's, it's amazing that this... From a point where we didn't know if we'd get a season at all, we're getting one of the most interesting seasons of F1 I've ever seen. Like, I didn't think we'd see races at any of these circuits anytime soon. Mm, they've um, done a really good job of turning it into an asset, haven't they? They really the have, situation. yeah. So far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, the Imla bosses have said that they basically have been trying to engineer F1 returning there for a number of years now. And they're really hoping that this, they've kind of looked into a race almost because of the situation. And they're sort of hoping that this will not just be a one-off and I'll manage to find a way to get um, racing to stay there. I guess a lot will depend on what the race is like, won't it? And how it goes yeah, down yeah. With, with fans <laughs> and yeah. drivers. For, uh, fingers, it. toes, everything crossed for a good race for those guys. Yeah, definitely. Than, eh? Yeah. On a similar vein, uh, Hockenheim have confirmed they're definitely not hosting a Grand Prix this year because there are a lot of rumours around Hockenheim for a while. But the owners of the Nürburgring are again saying that they're hoping that off the back of them suddenly having a race, they'll be able to sort of discuss and maybe get together another uh, Grand Prix sharing situation yeah. like they did for a number of years where the German Grand Prix alternates between the two circuits. Because... Yeah. It's it's a, seems a shame not to have a German Grand Prix on the calendar when you've got two proper world class circuits like that available. 
Yeah, and of um, course, a four-time German world champion on the Exactly, grid. yeah. Yeah. Um, of the Nürburgring and the, and the Hockenheim ring, which is your favourite? I mean... I don't know. I think I think as a as a track that I've driven in games, I prefer Hockenheim. Don't know why, mm. but I think that just I've spent more time there. Yeah, both real life in game mm. and watching as a spectator on TV hmm. and stuff. In all three categories, I've I've got more of an of, of affiliation with Hockenheim ring. Yeah, um, I think Hockenheim flows a bit better than yeah than. Um, the Nürburgring, I'd say. I think there's a few too many bit, really, really big stops at the Nürburgring and like tricky corners. Like turn one's a, a really, really big stop, really tricky corner. And then like that whole like sector one, I, don't, I just don't, I'm not a big fan of. See, the, the first bit of Nürburgring, the circuit itself, reminds me a little bit of turns one and two at Hungary, where we've just been. Not, they're not, I know they're not the, the same per se, but. I, in my head, it's always been like a worse version. Yeah, no, you're right. They do sort of close. They both close up to like a real pinch point. There's only really one quick yeah. way through both yeah. corners, I'd say. Um, so, which is your favorite, Chris? Which do you prefer? I'm kind of the same. Like as as much as sort of the era of F1, I grew up watching, had a lot of races at the Nurburgring, so I kind of have a a love for it just based on watching race there growing up. But I do think the new Hockenheim ring is it's a more fun track to drive in terms of playing sims and stuff, but it tends to produce better races as well, I think. Mm-hmm. To be honest, the better version of the Nürburgring is the one where they do the 24-hour race there, which uses the old Nordschleife and the Grand Prix circuit. They actually yes. use part of it that it basically cuts out sort of turn two, three, and four of... um of the, the full circuit um, and kind of yeah. sp- after turn one, it just sort of straight lines it down to that left, right down to the hairpin, which is a more fun circuit mm. to drive to be honest. Cause yeah, that little first sector is just a bit, a bit Mickey mouse. A, isn't bit it? Of a faff, isn't it? It's just faffy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost um, Singapore esque. I think that first, sector. <laughs> yeah. Like it's sort Sing- of stop, single file, turn, stop, turn, stop, turn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when it sort of, curls back on itself kind of thing like i don't yeah. like that that if, yeah it's just it's just really messy it feels a really messy bit of track to me that anyway anyway we're getting way off uh, we are yeah but yeah we've we've got a we've got a perfectly respectable looking calendar now we've got racing into uh the first november at the at the very least we, yeah. we get, we're getting a full season out of all of this yeah for sure it's good it's very good it's good Next, Ferrari, our weekly visit to what's happening at Ferrari. <laughs> we, need a, we need a tune for that. <laughs> <laughs> They've had a technical department restructure after their fairly shocking start to the season. It is worth saying up front that nobody's actually lost their job in this restructure, which, I mean, Ferrari get through sort of team principals and heads of department faster than most F1 teams, so... Slightly surprising to see that way. The most notable things, um, there's a newly created performance development department, which is being headed up by the former head of aerodynamics, Enrico Carile. 
And then veteran designer Rory Byrne, who's sort of been in semi-retirement for a good number of years now, is going to be taking a more prominent role, uh, mostly in their 2022 department. Um, the Ferrari chairman, a guy called John Elkin, uh, did an interview with um, an Italian publication where he said that the team has had a fundamental weakness for a decade or so. Um, and that's basically why they've not won anything in that time. And then they were on the path to fixing that and gave his full back into Mattia Bonotto to be the man to lead them along Uh-oh. that path. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, that was my first thought. <laughs> Nothing says be careful than the boss saying you have their full backing. Um, he also asked for patience from their fans, adding that they don't expect to be winning again until 2022, which basically sounds like yet another team sacking off next season to concentrate yeah. on the new rule set, doesn't that's it, basically? It's a, a brave man asking the Tifosi to be patient, isn't it? Yeah. We, <laughs> do you know what, though? <laughs> Given the way Ferrari have been over the last decade or so, it's probably what they need. Patience has run out. If I'm a a Ferrari fan, I'm out of patience. Yeah, I mean, Ferrari have always seemed to take the approach that we need to be winning the next race. And it's not worked for them. Maybe they do need to just have a little bit more patience and take some time to say, you know, this is the, especially with the new rule set coming up, like let's just concentrate our resources there, come out of the gates as best we can at that point. Because, yeah. Or they could not make a dodgy little deal with the FIA and um sounds like they've ru- ruined their own engine. <laughs> well, that, that can't have helped things, can it? Just follow the rules, like everyone else. <laughs> well, don't get caught is the <laughs> yeah, more important thing. Just don't get caught breaking the rules like everyone else. I mean, I, I hope it works for them. It's... Ferrari being at the front is good for Formula One. It'd be nice to have some more competition because, I mean, I think it was Toto Wolff said this week, like, don't blame us for the fact that it looks like we're going to dominate this season. Like, we're doing our job. It's up to the other teams to do yeah. their job to yeah. challenge us. He's right. He's this, this, yeah, he's completely right. I, yeah, I don't, I don't prescribe to the whole pull Mercedes back is not fair thing. No. It's all everyone else should be better. catch up. Like, yeah. That's that's just the way it is. I was the same during Ferrari's dominance. It was the same exactly, during yeah. parts of Red Bull's dominance. It, it's like if somebody's doing a better job, then yeah, especially more so in this era where you know funds are much more tightly scrutinized and and you know there's a, there's a much closer eye on what's being spent. Mm. Like by all accounts, from what's been in the news in recent weeks. Ferrari spend more or less exactly the same as Mercedes, so why is the mm. car not on par mm. when Red yeah. Bull are spending less and are nearer? So, yeah. well, look at like, the racing point. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot less. But I mean, Ferrari are not about to go out and buy a Mercedes, though, are they? <laughs> well, no, but still. <laughs> Red Bull haven't. But I think this is that fundamental weakness they mentioned, like something in the way they are spending that money to design race cars just isn't working. Um, yeah, that's absolutely clear. It has been clear for a long time. I mean, I say this all the time. They're getting 60 million just for showing up. That's more again, than forcing, that's more than um, Racing Point have in a season. A lot yeah. more than they have. It's a lot more than Williams having a season. So it's more than McLaren having a season. It's more than any of them having a season. So 
yeah, why aren't they doing more with it? Yeah, and I guess that also puts them in a privileged position where they can afford to just kind of throw next year in the bin already and yeah. concentrate next year because it's not like yeah. they're going to be struggling for cash because they've had a bad year, is it? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I think after, what, three races now, if they, given we don't know how many races this season is going to be ultimately, you could say their title ambitions are pretty much dead in the water at this point. Like They're not going to be competing for for the championship this season doesn't make that much difference to ferrari where they finish in the championship because as we've just said they've got so much money coming in by default um yeah i mean when do they when do they sack off this car have they already sacked off this car well the fact that the chairman is making a point of saying don't expect us to win anything until 2022 that sounds a lot like they're already in that mindset doesn't it yeah I mean, yeah. you could argue that it's still worth developing this car because next season, they, yeah, true, they're going to have the same car. So uh, it's almost just going to be B spec cars next year, isn't it? Yeah, it, it makes me wonder, like how how many teams, which teams in particular as well, will put effort into improving the car into next year. I think Mercedes are probably already looking at theirs and thinking. Why no bother? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they do absolutely nothing because they're not that kind of team to just sit on. Like the reason that they're in the position they're in is they don't just see. Oh well, we're winning by a second. Let's just leave it at that. They they say we're winning by a second. Let's go find a way to win by two. Let's go find a way yeah, to win exactly. by three. They they, they're always they looking to improve. They want to destroy their opposition. Yeah, they just want to beat them. They want to ruin exactly them. so. I can't see them standing completely still, but I can I can see them doing far, far less next season than they would in a normal year. Well, I mean, the fact that, as things currently seem to be, the closest car to beating them is the car that they designed last year. <laughs> probably yeah. in a position where they can take the foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Mm. You do... I think if you're Mercedes, like, if, I don't know, like, given that next... The, if you've made... The, this car's got such an advantage... I doubt anyone's going to be developing much more into next season, given that, well, whatever they end this season with, they're going to be starting the se- next season with. How long's next season going to be? You know, we don't even know if there's going to be a full season well, next true, year yeah. yet. So, yeah, it's just, it's all so up in the air for every team. I guess, like, the logical thing to do, really, at this point is to probably carry on developing, everyone carry on developing as though, as though it's a normal season. Right, because where you if can you do I mean, that, you might get lo- left behind. There's the that's always the risk if you stop yeah. in this car and then it carries on further and further, yeah. then you get left behind. But I guess the thing is that there's only certain things they can carry on with, isn't it? Like that can work on aero stuff, that can work on their engine, but like the chassis is locked in, and every and the chassis being locked in sort of dictates a lot of the rest of the car. Um, True, but y- your aero though is such a huge performance factor oh yeah of course it is, it's very visible and it's very you can take the same chassis and still you know develop develop your aero in different ways around that like you're not necessarily complete if you come up with a new aero philosophy that can still be applied up to a point to this to the same sh- chassis if you, f- if yeah, you feel like you've, you've developed yourself in the wrong direction aerodynamically then you can go off in another one um yeah Obviously, it is better for the chassis to be designed in unison with that aero philosophy. But still, like, if if that's not working, then 
it makes sense to develop something else, right? Surely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in conclusion, there is no conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit about Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin because we've not really properly discussed this with the three of us yet. So I thought we could dedicate a bit of time to it. Obviously, last weekend was just... No, the weekend before, I guess now, won't it be? was full of all of these rumours and Vettel was asked at length about these things and chose his words extremely carefully. Mm, he did. What, what do we What do we think about the idea of Vettel going to uh, Racing Point soon to be Aston Martin? Regardless of whether the space room are there or not, can you actually see him going there? I mean, at the moment, I could see him considering it with where they are and what they've done so far mm-hmm. uh, in terms of basically tracing last year's Mercedes. <laughs> but I think a manufacturer coming in with backing, the money that Stroll's brought into the team and the success that that has started to bring them, albeit from having the the funds to like look at another car and say, right, let's just let's just copy that and let let's just do what they're doing and put the money in to to, to replicate that. That's got to have some appeal to him, I think. And like that interview we did with Brundle, with Martin Brundle, uh, as part of the Sky Sports coverage in the UK here, and I'm guessing some of it might have gone out globally. But that interview, it was it was quite clear on, um, sort of. I don't want to be here just to turn up. Like I want to be here to to win. Um, so he wants to be in at least a car like that that might give him a chance if he's. If yeah. he's in the right place at the right time, and he can maybe help further a team like that with his experience mm. to to get them past that next hurdle of actually developing more for themselves and improving on what they they've seen elsewhere, I guess. Yeah. So I think I can see it. I think given where the racing point is this season and the Ferrari is this season, you can probably it's probably safe to say that the Aston Martin next season will be quicker than the Ferrari. It certainly uh, yeah. looks that way, doesn't You'd it? Imagine so, yeah, yeah, because it's going to be they're all going to they're going to be basically as we've just said they're going to be in the same cars. Yeah. So there's that. I think the word Aston Martin has a much nicer ring to it than Racing Point. It does, so doesn't it? <laughs> Vettel to Aston Martin sounds a bit more realistic than Vettel to Racing Point for sure. Yeah. Um, I think. I think one of the big questions that he'll have is is the success that that team currently has just a flash in the pan because they've of what they've done with last year's Mercedes or is this kind of a, an indication of where they're going to go going forward? And I, I saw actually an interview uh, a couple of days ago where Otmar Snafner, the um, team principal at Racing Point, he said that taking innovations from other teams and sort of replicating them or build their own versions is actually something they've always been good at. Like yeah. back in 2009, they were one of, if not the first team that didn't start with a double diffuser to have one on their car working. And when McLaren first had the F-duct, uh, Force India were yeah. the first team to copy that. They beat like the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari and co to making their own version of the F-duct. So... They've always been good at doing that. And now with the fact that they actually have some decent money behind them, they're kind of 
this season they've just sort of done the same thing but on steroids because they've got that much more behind them to do yeah. what they've always been good at. So mm. whether that's something that can sustain them long term or if it's just going to give them a couple of seasons of success, I guess remains to be seen, doesn't it? But that's the question Vettel's got to ask himself. Yeah. Mm. And then, of course, the other question is, what seat does he get? Well, I mean, come on, like Lance Stroll's got not going anywhere, is he? If you if you're Lawrence Stroll and you're putting all that money into that team, you're not about to get rid of your son. So I mean, yeah. that's just logic. There's just no way on earth Lance Stroll's going anywhere. It's going to be Perez who goes if he does go. Um, it'd be unfortunate if Perez does go because I, I I feel like this sort of stuff affected him last weekend. I think he was a little bit. I probably had this on his mind and maybe yeah. he wasn't maybe like as on, on as good a form as what he might have been if this all these rumours weren't circulating around. But, yeah. you know, the best drivers don't let this sort of stuff get to them and they, they make their point on the tracks. And the best the best thing he could have done last weekend would have been to go out and beat Lance Stroll and put him right in his place. It's a good point, actually. That. He didn't manage to do that, did he? No, he didn't do it. By a long shot, he didn't manage to do that. So yeah. he ended up, you know... Where did he qualify? I think he qualified. I've got it in front of me. He qualified. Um, he actually qualified fourth, just behind his teammate. Yeah. Not that many. It was two, about two tenths off. And then, well, he'd say one tenth off. Then mm. um, <laughs> fin- finishing the race, Perez was seventh and Stroll was fourth because Perez yeah. got an absolute shocker of a start, didn't he? And, um, yeah, he got kind of caught out by Bottas's jump start that wasn't, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of ruined his race, but. You know, it, it, he it's the point still stands. He really needed to sort of prove to the world that he was the better of the two drivers, right at a point where everyone was talking about him being dismissed, and that didn't happen. And that would have done a lot of damage to his prospects, I think. It would, but the, you also have to remember that although it's we talk about it being um, Lawrence Stroll's team, he is only one of a consortium of owners. It's not necessarily entirely his choice. Um, no, but he's also bought a big stake in Aston Martin, hasn't he? Yeah, that's very yeah. true. Perez is is very, very well liked within that team. Though I mean, that team wouldn't exist if it wasn't yeah. for Sergio Perez. He was the one... It, it was when we were in Hungary last year, wasn't it, that the news came out that Perez had basically kicked off the process to uh move that team into a position where ownership could change to save them from going under like those people yeah. wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for Sergio Perez and he'd probably be... ruffled a few feathers in the process of doing that <laughs> yeah quite it. possibly another way of looking at it though if you were Sebastian Vettel looking at a team to go to and they said to you yes we can find space for you we'll get rid of the guy who's been here for years and has played a massive part in that success earn more points for this team than probably anyone else and will keep in the other seat the boss's son does that really fill you with confidence when you're looking at a new prospective employer does that really probably is that not, a team no. you want to go and race for no but he's, he, you just want to go if you're Sebastian Vettel and you still want to be in Formula 1 you're going to take whatever drive you can get I think at this point yeah and that's the other part isn't it if he doesn't take that seat where else does he go does he go and um, rekindle his uh, friendship with Kimi at Alpha? <laughs> Can't see that happening. Yeah. I no. think the the ultimate question is the simple ultimate question is who is better, Perez or um, or Sebastian Vettel? 
who's got you know who's got more race wins who's got more world championships the answer's obvious isn't it so it's if, true if it's a choice between those two then surely surely you're going to go for Vettel if you're the if you're the team right if it's a choice between those two then probably yes but I think everybody other than Lawrence Stroll would tell you it shouldn't be a choice between those two is I the mean, problem. <laughs> for want of like being put in front of a firing squad, but what's Lance <laughs> really done wrong this season? Like, it's true. At, at the it's minute, true. for me, he no, is justifying right. his seat. Like, yes, I know, I know, he's he's had his moments in in previous years and stuff like that, but. We do have to remember this is a this is a kid that took his opportunity and got himself on a podium in Baku and Baku, yeah. And like he's been there or thereabouts. He's he's been out qualifying Sergio. He's been putting in good performances while this car's at its best. So, like, yes, maybe he didn't get there completely on merit, like some people do. But I think he's starting to justify the fact that he warrants being on the grid in recent mm-hmm. times. And, you know, you might go out this weekend and completely prove me wrong, but <laughs> I, I look like an idiot for what I've just said. Well, but is, it could all it, it could also go out in the rain and, like, finish second and, and score another podium. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, who was it in Germany last year mm. in the racing point that ended up backwards in the wall? Was that Perez early? I think it was Perez, the first... I know Stroll was leading that race at one point. Yeah, Stroll led that. Yeah, it was Perez Perez who went out of that race in the wet. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, which you brought me to really nicely, is that if Perez carries on the way that he did the last race and, you know, not not beat his teammate, essentially, for the rest of the season, then we're going to get to the end of the season and it's going to be... Lance Stroll's going to justify his position there. So, yeah, which is which is exactly your point, Tom, isn't it? Like you're hmm, you're yeah. saying that like he he hasn't necessarily done anything wrong yet this season. We all, he gets a bad rap, but actually he's had a couple of podiums. Didn't he get a podium in um, Canada as well? Or is that who no? I, I put, didn't, he quali- didn't he qualify high up in Canada? Yeah, he's had it a was few more decent a, qualifying. It was a it was a qualification performance in Canada, I think, because he was. And he qualified. Was that last year or was it a year before? And now he qualified second was last in year. Italy two years ago. Yeah, and it might have been Canada right. last year. He was like well up there. And and so. Germany, like you say, he was he was leading the race at one point, and I think he, I want to say he was, he was not too far off being on the podium when because um, Kvyat ended up with the third place, didn't he? In the end yeah. last year in Germany, yeah. and yeah, Stroll wasn't in. wasn't far behind Kvyat if I remember right. We're talking like. A second or so, bit like he, he was on the brink of another half a second. He finished fourth, half a second there back. Go. Absolutely. Right. Can we just take a moment to appreciate what a wild race Germany <laughs> yeah. twenty nineteen was? Yeah. yeah, the fact that that was at the time the last German Grand Prix for the foreseeable future as well. What, yeah. a, what a way to sign yeah. off. What, yeah, goodness. Um, but there's... yeah, I mean, if he gets to the end of the season and Lance Stroll's beat his teammate, then why not keep Lance Stroll and why not get rid Correct. of Sergio Perez? For yeah, I mean, the, for for Sebastian Vettel, if that's an option, then it's it's that's a no-brainer. There's no denying that he's been given longer to find his feet and develop himself than almost any other young driver coming into F1 gets. But mm. on the evidence of this season so far, he's used that time well and he does seem to be performing. So, yeah. Yeah, so keep it up. Keep. I think for everyone's sake, Lance, keep it up because it's exciting to see. 
It's one of my favourite battles in Formula One. Oh yeah, totally. And Racing Point are in the position now where, I mean, if, if they want to, they've already got their two drivers sat there ready to go next year. And they've now also got a four-time world champion just kind of on the cusp <laughs> that they can maybe drop him on those seats if they decide to. So they're under absolutely no pressure to rush a decision. It's yeah, kind yeah. of more in Vettel's camp than anything, isn't it, to decide what he wants yeah. to do. And then on so, the racing point, lawyers to find a way to uh, yeah. get Perez or Stroll, but probably Perez so quick, out of their contract. Quick yes or no from both of you then. Will Vettel be in an Aston Martin next season? Yes or no, Chris? I think yes. Tom? I'm thinking yes at the moment. I think yes as well. I think he will. I don't think he's ready to leave Formula One yet. No, and I think as it stands, that seat's got too much of an like a a pull to it. Yeah, with the potential prestige. Yeah, mm. definitely worldwide. And with a name like Aston Martin, it'll have much prestige. Like that that car in Aston Martin racing colours in the fluorescent sort of yellow that they do will yeah. look sick next year if they do and if- it. And if nothing else, Vettel will probably get himself a free Aston Martin out of the deal, and that's nothing yeah. so he knows about, is it? Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, although, like getting parts for them, if they carry on the way they are, <laughs> might become quite difficult. But um, yeah. they're basically, they're basically Volvos underneath anyway. To be fair, there's a warehouse somewhere full of ones I can't sell. So if you need parts, there's plenty. Uh, you can just <laughs> yeah. Frankenstein a car together from. <laughs> Did they ever tell you that if you peel the stickers off of a um, Aston Martin key fob, underneath I think you may there's, have. there's the Volvo symbol in the plastic? I think you may have dropped underneath. that fact. I don't know if it was on the podcast or after the podcast, but you definitely dropped that on us recently. Yeah. And now we're getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall, shall we move, move on, on to some storylines? Yeah, let's. Um, so it's the British Grand Prix in uh, a few days' time. And. Um, yeah, it's exciting. There was a lot of people at COVID testing today, guys. I showed up at nine o'clock this morning and there was a lot of F1 personnel around already getting, getting ready for their tests because it's just obviously it's such a big one. We, everyone who can go to it will be going to it. Um, yeah. And it, it demands a lot from um, Formula One as well, being the sort of home race of the yeah. company, pretty much. So like they do have a lot of people going. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of... Uh, stuff going on um i feel a bit bittersweet about it myself like it's always a race to look forward to but normally at this point we'd be like planning how we get in there and it's it's one of the very yeah. few times that the three of us are in the same place at the same time yeah, yeah that's true and plus we won't be able to access it soon for a great big housing estate will we by the look of mm, it yeah let's not talk I about that, that no um okay storylines <laughs> for the british grand prix um We'll stick with Racing Point to begin with. Will Racing Point be the second fastest team again? Or could they even, you know, trouble the uh, the second place position or maybe even a win? No. The answer to your second you don't question. Think a win? <laughs> nah. You don't think a win. But you think I they'll think be fastest, second fastest? You would think so. Mercedes have been the team to beat at Silverstone for a number of years now. Um, you would I would expect that racing point to go f- pretty well there, but I can also see them uh, struggling to not get lapped by the Mercedes. To be honest, at the same time, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Mercedes is just so so ridiculously fast, isn't it? Like it's it's 
it's going to be all conquering all season. I think that car. Yeah. There's no point even talking about it because everyone I think we, knows it's just. Yeah, I think we said it last week. Like Silverstone's a track that really shows off how good a good car is and really punishes a bad car. And yeah, I think we're going to yeah. see that. For sure, <laughs> but we'll be a far. We hope to be a far cry from streaming across the pit exit backwards. <laughs> yeah, which is what one of the was it a Williams or was that a racing point last year? It was. It was a racing vault point involved. I think it was a racing it. point. Yeah, yeah. And was it the Williams coming? It was Russell coming out of the garage, coming out of the pit lane, and then just minding this, his own business. <laughs> man, yeah. quite just getting on with it. Literally, man knows his minding his own business as he did all season, and. Um, yeah, this racing point just streams across the front of him, facing. Yeah. God, he must have, he must have pooped his pants. Um, <laughs> so, Tom, what do you think? What do you think they'll be the second quickest, or do you think Red Bull, Ferrari can sort of? Start I, that game? I think, I think it ultimately depends on how quick next week's rain gets here, because it, although it looks like it could be clear for the race weekend there's a potential that like we're going to hit some of the weather we've had this week over the weekend and we we've we've seen before that the racing point can can definitely compete in that sort of scenario so i would say that they're going to give the red bulls a run for the money if those changeable conditions come to light but i think that's that's what they need at the minute i think that they're definitely up there as like probably third quickest but i think that they need the changeable conditions if they're going to sniff at a podium. Well, they are in for a scorcher on Friday. Um, oh, really? 31 yeah. degrees on Friday. So those tires are going to be... They're not going to learn much it, on Friday. It cools down by nearly 10 degrees, more than 10 degrees yeah, by Sunday. It very start, it's very steeply starts dipping into like thunderstorms, but the thunderstorms are not due to hit until like Monday, Tuesday. I've That's looked great. into this. Predictions is very serious this season. You, you literally, I've literally just heard you typing and clicking onto weather.com so you could look at this. Am I right? I, n- I never use weather.com. <laughs> That's the element that you're wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Though. The uh, less representative for the race weekend that Friday can be, the better. The better, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of segued a little bit into uh, into my next storyline, which basically ruins the segue, as we all know. Um, <laughs> can Red Bull or Ferrari find some of their missing pace? So Red Bull last race were, I mean, they, I mean, they did well to finish second, so they weren't <laughs> sort of terrible. Um, no, but obviously but... nowhere near the Mercedes, and which we need them nearer to the Mercedes. And the yeah, Ferrari, their qualifying was abysmal. Them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they need to look at, isn't it? Is that raw one lap pace? Yeah, they, maybe they just to, need to get to the car into the zone. But they're going to have obviously. Yeah. We've just we've just spoke about whether they're not going to have much practice time on Friday to draw any useful information from, given that the temperature is going to be so vastly different on Saturday and Sunday. So we could be in for another. I mean, it could go any way, really, because. Mm. No one's going to have any experience on the temperature at the time of when qualifying starts, and it's it warms up so much in the UK between sort of nine a.m. that hour nine a.m. to ten a.m. and then between ten a.m. and what one in the afternoon or two in the afternoon when qualifying starts, the temperature is going to be so different again. So the track is going to yeah. be evolving all weekend. It's going to be very very different, and it should give us some really really 
unpredictable sessions in in qualifying in the race. So hopefully that yeah. could be an opportunity for Red Bull and Ferrari to sort of claw into some of that lead that Mercedes have got. I'd say potentially potential for upgrades as well. I mean, yeah. Silverstone's just down the road from the factories of pushing half of the grid, so you'd expect I mean, to maybe see a few upgrades. Racing Point can literally walk and upgrade yeah. to the car if they need to. Yeah, yeah they could, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, they thing. literally, That's they so literally could. Their factory is like there. Next door. Yeah. Yeah. Someone dressed in pink sprinting over the main road with the front wing under their arm. Yeah, yeah. Just You can almost picture it. It's why I always like going to circuits here in the UK because even when you go to some of the smaller circuits like Brands and um, Donington and stuff, you've got a lot of that going on. Like Formula E teams based at Donington and stuff and seeing those cars getting wheeled around or like worked on and stuff, it's it's just it's nice, you know, to have that luxury of visiting a smaller circuit that's maybe not part of the the world calendar of motorsports, but you've still got these teams housed there working on things during their seasons. It's it's cool. Yeah. Well do you remember when we were leaving Silverstone after the race last year and we were just like walking past some random building, we're like, is that is that a Formula E car through that window? And it was like the, the dragon headquarters or something. Yes, it was this, Dragon, wasn't this it? This unassuming yeah. building on the outskirts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Um Yeah. So they I don't know how we got onto how did we even get onto like who knows <laughs> um, the next storyline is uh will the mclaren be able to bounce back from a disappointing hungarian group b at their home race i get lots of home races this weekend um <laughs> yeah mclaren not quite on the pace at the hungarian grand prix again I w- you just wonder that was there something about that circuit that didn't suit the renault engine was was it there, there was something definitely missing, yeah, on that McLaren, and and between there was, I feel like that race, Mercedes probably got something really right, and just about every other team got something, whatever it was, really really wrong, and yeah, we'll never know yeah. what it is. And I think this race is probably gonna, I think we will see the the field close up a little bit again, because at, at Austria the field was super super. To be fair, it was the first race and second race of the season. We were both at the same track, but the field was really, really close. And it's a really short track, obviously, as well, so that lowers the lap times and therefore lowers yeah. the gaps. But still, I don't think I don't think McLaren will be as far off the pace as they were in Hungary. What about you guys? Um, I would hope not. I mean... Sawson's never been their best track in recent years, has it? They had a fairly middling race there last year, but then again, they have a mm. much better car this year. So I definitely would expect a better result from them this weekend, but I don't think they're going to be... I don't think they're going to be looking as quick as they did in Austria. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't... It's not like... A, I see them being sort of well... Well, this is how I feel. They should, should be performing is well into the point, but probably not quick enough to be challenging like the front runners essentially. Yeah. I think that's where where we should expect to see them. Yeah. So what are we thinking sort of best of the rest kind of thing so some maybe troubling the Ferrari. I think they'd be beating the Ferrari. Yeah. I think I think for I think Ferrari going to be struggling at a lot of places this season, Silverstone included. Yeah, definitely. Like okay. there's I I honestly think that 
Ferrari could be struggling to pick up points in some races, and this also could be one of them. Mm. Interesting. So, um, the next storyline is can Bottas bring the fight back to Hamilton? So, onto the drivers now. Um, if he if he's serious about winning this title, he better better step up, eh? I was just doing the maths. He's currently five points behind Hamilton. If he finishes second to Hamilton in both of these Silverstone races, that'll then be a 19-point gap all of a sudden. And unless Hamilton has a, a, a rare Mercedes failure at some point that Bottas doesn't suffer, 19 points would be a big ass to claw back. Yeah, it's a tall yeah. order. It's a very tall order, especially given, like as I keep saying, we don't know how many races there are going to be this season. To be fair, he... though, Bottas should have won at Silverstone last year. It was only Hamilton getting lucky with the safety car that gave him the lead, really. like They had that dice early in the race and Bottas came out on top, and I think Bottas would have won that race. So as good as Hamilton is at Silverstone, he's not unbeatable. It's true. He's not. Inv- certainly not invincible. No. If Bottas yeah. can lead from the start, be that by pole position or just a decent start, or just jump the start again. I mean, that seems to work out well for him <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's probably the driver who's jumped the start the most and been penalised <laughs> never for it, right? He really I don't is. think he's ever been penalised for jumping That's the start, and he's clearly jumped the start twice. That he might hold one of the more obscure F1 records there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tom, who who have you got for uh, for the win between these two? Then do you reckon Bottas or Hamilton? I, I think Lewis has always got that little bit of an edge when he's back here in Britain. But Valter is always there or thereabouts. Like he's had a fair few second places since he's been in that Mercedes, um, and he's had a pole as well. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But I I think that Lewis might just have that. Um, that mental edge, I guess that that um, you know that capacity to to just outperform yeah, when things to... are when when things are under pressure and they close. Lewis seems to have that edge to come out on top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you're probably right about Hamilton there, but um, again, with with little prep, um, it could be. It's, it's going to be down to who sort of can do the most with the least information, I guess. And at yeah. the same time, on that same thing, I, you'd probably back Hamilton, I think, at that point. But, you know, it's all to play for. He really, really needs to keep his eye in the game. And, um, and he re- really, really does need to take the fight to him if he's going to stay in this championship because it could all slip away from him really quickly in the next two weeks if he's not careful. Um, the final storyline for us is who will be quicker of the two racing points so we've got a racing point sandwich for the storylines this week um is Perez going to bounce back after a difficult weekend in Hungary or will Stroll continue his good form and um continue to justify his position in that team well it should be Perez shouldn't it at a circuit like this given the experience the two drivers have it should be Perez so if it's not that kind of confirms what we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that 100%. Like, I think that you would expect Perez... Like, come on, we're talking about Sergio Perez, who the last time he was beaten by his teammate was about half a decade ago, if not more. <laughs> and it was probably Nico Hulkenberg or 
Go on. Well, well. Oh no, probably Jensen Button actually there. wasn't it? They had a season together. Oh yeah, or yeah. Button at McLaren. Yeah, I always forget that one you, season. You go, there. you're going back that far. I think before Perez was the last beaten by a teammate, and I think that if if Stroll can utilize the good spaces in right now, as in the form that he's got and the good places in within the team, I, I think this is a chance to to really start proving himself. So. I wouldn't put it past Stroll being able to get an edge over Sergio this weekend. Yeah, this is his big shot, isn't it? Yeah, Stroll. this is it's... the one. This is where people might actually start to take him more seriously. seriously mm-hmm. Yeah, if he can get like a bit of a stranglehold on this fight at this point, then that that w- he needs that killer instinct. And if he can show that yeah. over the next sort of this race and maybe the next one. You know, he can really sort of start to put some some of the talk to bed and and show you know start beating his teammate and show us all that he can be. You, you never know; he could be. I mean, he could be. He can be. He'd be fighting for race wins at the very least in that. Yeah. In in um, thing you know, he'd be picking up the scraps when the Mercedes slip up at some point if they slip up at some point. So. He's got to be there or thereabouts, and if he can show, if he can justify his place in that team, then it'll just make all of our lives so much easier and make us stop sounding <laughs> like horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm all for the guy doing well. I re- so. I do I actually genuinely really 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 want to see him do well now. Like I, I've yeah. spent a lot of years sort of taking the mick a little bit, and you know, a lot of people are, are very sort of daddy's boy you're only in Formula one because daddy paid for you all this kind of stuff but what i do love kind of like an is a bit of an underdog and i do love for that reason and i do love the sort yeah. of an un- underdog proving everyone wrong and showing everyone that they're wrong and if you can do that then i think that'd be a really happy story yeah i think yeah. the thing that pe- i think the thing that people for- sort of conveniently forget though is that pretty much everyone that's in f1 has been bankrolled to some degree. Exactly, like, yeah. One of the reasons Perez has had good seats consistently is not only that he is a skilled driver, yeah. but also that he brings brings a lot of sponsorship from the, the country companies. of Mexico in general and Mexican companies, yeah. like So it's not just purely like he's a really good driver, therefore he's just got a seat. There's a lot of a money... F- a factor involved in it as well. There is, and but I think it's just. I think people conveniently forget, or they don't like where it comes from. Like because Sergio's gone out and won his sponsors, it's different to the fact that Stroll's been paid for by his dad, I guess. And well, it, that's maybe the the nepotism that people don't yeah, like. Yeah, of it. I think I think there there is a. I would say that in 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 sort of response to that, I would say there is a difference between nepotism and going out and getting being good and getting sponsors. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you know, anyone if you're a good enough driver and if you've got good enough people around you to get you the sponsors and and get the money and get you the backing to get you where you need to be and get you seen by the big teams and get you the tests, then you know it, it will come. You but you, yeah, you have to be an amazing. A you have to be an absolutely amazing driver, which not many people are, and B you need a bit of luck on your side as well. And I think the problem yeah. I have and the problem a lot of people have with the sort of stroll scenario is he's not necessarily had to always sort of fight tooth and nail for every drive because he's he's basically been born into it and he's just had the money there from day one from his dad. So that'd be my counter to that. But yeah, yeah, 
I, I, but, but it, at the same time, I do agree that like it takes money to get you there. Yeah, it's just I mean, it, another source for that money, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, it's, it's, it's le- a weird it one because I think less earned. It seems less earned on Stroll's side. Compared I, to I, I understand that, but the thing that I always think about with this is like when he's done pretty decent in stuff like Formula Three and so on. It it makes me think like would he find it impossible to go out and get some good Canadian backing, being a sole Canadian representative? Well, obviously Latif is there now, but originally he was a sole Canadian yeah, representative. Yeah, yeah, so up. like there's there's a good opportunity that he could potentially go get sponsors, but he's just not needed to. Like we've got to remember everyone's favorite driver in the world bar none, is past the Maldonado and <laughs> he was backed by the entire country of Venezuela and yeah. we all know how <laughs> that turned out as an F1 career. Like, you don't necessarily need to be born into money to look your way into it either, I think. Um, yeah, totally. Because a, a country could just back you like that and be like, this this could put us on the map. <laughs> yeah, we want, a, we want a guy in Formula 1, therefore yeah. here's a bunch of cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's Williams who don't have any, let's pay for our driver to be there. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, it happens in other in other respects as well. Is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at. Like, if you don't need to go out there and the sponsors because you can fund it yourself, why not? Like, I don't see it as a completely bad thing. Like, what I guess some people do out there. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm, yeah, people. Uh, my, my, again, like people. Just, people just don't like nepotism. I think that's yeah. That, I think that's, that's what it is. Thing. That's the key bit of it, isn't it? I think that is because of where that's come from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that storyline. <laughs> <Should we make predictions? laughs> yeah, let's yeah. do predictions. Uh, we've we've kind of covered most of predictions, I reckon, already. But we'll go through it officially anyway. Um, so, for those of you listening who do want to get involved with predictions, um, you can listen along now, see what we think, and when you wholeheartedly disagree with us, you can submit what you think will actually happen <laughs> at backofthegrid dot com. Um, yet again, last week. Well, last time out, someone was very, very close to um, a five out of five, very weren't close. they? So it's, it's definitely doable to get all five. It's definitely doable. Um, let's see how close we can get. Fastest in Q3. Um, I'm going to put it out there. Is anyone looking past Hamilton <laughs> at the moment? Either of you? Are you no, looking past I don't, I don't think so. You can, can you? Especially not Silverstone. No, it's hard. I mean, the good news for us this week is that the temperatures are going to be so different. For, and this is not me trying to throw everyone off, but the temperatures <laughs> are going to be so different on Friday to um, to Saturday and Sunday that you don't really, you're not going to get an advantage from from making your predictions after after the two practice sessions. I do think yeah. that both Mercedes will be the quickest, no doubt about that. Um, it's just which one, isn't it? And my money is probably on. It's got to be Hamilton. It's got to be Hamilton for Stu. It's got to be Hamilton. So it's a triple ham. Triple, triple ham. It's a triple ham. ham. The question would be, in terms of a win, does it make it a triple double ham? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I am straight out going for a Hamilton win as well. I think the thing is, he will win this race when he's not on pole. So I think if he's on pole, he's yeah. probably going to win it. Unless, bar something going incredibly wrong somewhere. I think he's going to win it. So I'm I'm having him as fastest qualifier and winner, personally. I think I'm going to have to predict the same myself just to uh, keep up with you this week, Tom. <laughs> I mean, you need I to ask me. I think it's going to have to be the triple-double ham. 
with Chipple cheese and bacon. <laughs> I need I need to check if that's ever happened. Because I don't think there's ever been a time where we've oh. all just gone, you know what, it's this driver, <laughs> fastest yeah. and winner. It's about to become the Tom's Filing podcast where we go back <laughs> for is. every episode and see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd check the database. I'd do it as a data guy, but oh, yeah, okay. it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to find yeah, out. I, well, I, I'm old school. I'm old school, all right? Just... <laughs> <laughs> I feel That's like a, yeah, I feel like one of us at least likes to be a little bit different, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Part of me was tempted to go Bottas qualifier, Hamilton winner, because it's happened before. And yeah. I, I think that Bottas is good around um, Silverstone, but just not yeah. good enough at the moment. Not good enough at the moment. Yeah. Um, anyway, that moves us on to first DNFs. Who do we think will first DNF? Chris, I'm going to start with you for this one. Mm. So last race, it was one of the Alpha Terrorists. There's only one. Last year at Silver. Oh, yeah, last year at Silver. And the Hasses crashed into each other, didn't they? Yeah. That whole situation. Um, Let's see. I think it's going to be... I'm feeling a Renault this week. Let's go for Ocon. Ooh. Ocon. Stu, what about you? Um, was Gasly last week. Williams were out of trouble. Oh, probably a hard, I want to go. I think. I think Chris is on the right track with a Renault, probably, or it's it's a Renault or a or a Haas. I'm gonna go. Magnussen. K Mag, and I'm because I feel like I've not really seen him yet this season, <laughs> or heard him mention that much. I'm going to go with the original Rocket, Mr. Daniel Kvyat. He has been quite anonymous, hasn't he? He's been yeah. very quiet. He's unlike him. He's, come, he's well, coming uh, back with a, a literal bang. His suspension <laughs> broke in, in Austria, and that took him True. out of the race. At the end of the season, yeah. just absolutely collapsed. His tyre exploded, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like all I remember seeing of him. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go with Daniel Kvyat. Um, number of finishers. Uh, do we think we've seen... A return to reliability. Silverstone's not necessarily known for incidents, I suppose, is it's it? It's not quite so... a car killer, is it? But it's... No. no. Last year, it's other engine. than the Hasses crashing into each other, um, Giovinazzi spinning off was the only other retirement. Yeah, so, uh, Stu, I'm going to start with you on this one. Okay. You, uh, how many finishes do you think we will have? Given that information. I'm going to go 17. 17 is a staple hold. <laughs> it's a good one. It's, it's a solid one. I feel like I th- this category is harder than ever this season. Like in the four yeah. races we've had, we've literally gone from only one retirement to almost half the grid retiring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I see. Personally, I think we'll be okay here. Uh, and I'm going to go with 18. Well, 18 so, was what I had in mind as well. Retirements. Yeah, only two retirements. Chris, hey, are you sticking you? with that, Chris? Are you sticking yeah, with I'm 18? going with you. I'm going with 18. Going with 18. Okay. And then that leaves us with a random driver requirement. So, Chris, please pull one for us. Happily. Um, it is said. George Russell. <laughs> oh, Mr. Russell. See, this Ooh. is a difficult one. I'm stuck with going first on this one as well. Um, oh, see, the car's obviously not been as bad 
as it has been in recent years, but he's also not necessarily had the best in terms of race performance compared to his quality. He's been absolutely storming it in quality, but just getting swamped in races. I'm going to say 17th. I'm going to go, he will finish and he will be ahead of his teammate, yeah. but that's about it. That's my train of thought as well. I've got Mine 16. too. <laughs> this might be the most boring set of predictions <laughs> we've ever had. Might be. I mean, Chris, you're welcome yeah, to go no, next. 17th is the logical answer. I hope 17th. I'm wrong, but... Um, 16th, 16th. 16th. And you're 16th on the same basis, yeah. yeah. We, it's almost okay, like so... we've been spending too much time together and we're all like <laughs> group think, can't we? <laughs> yeah, so so that sees our predictions in the system. Um, why don't you submit yours, as I said before, at backofthegrid.com. It's a nice prize for anyone that does manage a clean sweep of five out of five. And I don't know. Judging by what we think, it looks quite possible this weekend. Yeah. So <laughs> now's your chance. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing, if we'd got Hamilton as the uh, random driver, then I think we'd, <laughs> we might have seen quite a few five out of fives. I mean, but Russell's yeah, one of the I, easy ones to get, though, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's when you yeah. get someone like a, a Gasly or a Magnussen or a Ricardo or something, they're the hard ones to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, I, I did see Chris. You possibly most likely to have seen this as well, but I did see someone who had a suggestion that we try and like do a a version without the last winner or without Hamilton or so something to that effect. <laughs> I can't remember the exact suggestion word for word, but I mean, if my time and effort available <laughs> were capable of producing that in the system i would do it i would do yeah. something like that like an alternative predictions league without <laughs> like the last winner or something but yeah, yeah it's complex enough as it is to write oh, what we'd pre-season so. <laughs> yeah. yeah could maybe i'd like a f- i, w- I want to change the point system but you two don't seem up for it so i'm going to keep my mouth shut shall we move on to inbox <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to inbox let's move on uh, I have the first one from uh, Alex Taberner, who says, how do you think the Sainz-Norris partnership will develop as the season progresses and potentially podiums come up for grabs? Will the teamwork we saw in Austria between them become a thing of the past? Um, well, I think they're going to have to do better in Silverstone than they did in uh, Hungary for that to <laughs> yeah. really spice up. But um, I don't think the car is strong enough for them to really ever get at each other's throats. I think they're both, they don't, and neither of them, well, Norris, I guess, has a more of a dog in the fight than science does. Science is already on his way out. So I don't think it's ever going to get that spicy, this battle. I think they're going to be pretty mellow all season. Unless they have some sort of silly collision or something like that, or someone does something silly, then no, I'm sorry. I, I hate to disappoint you, but I, I don't think this one's going to be that big of a uh, battle this year. No, I kind of feel the same, to be honest. Uh, especially, as you say, with signs leaving at the end of the season. like There's not really a need for them to get a one-up on each other, necessarily, because yeah. they're going to be in different... Well, I mean, the way Ferrari going, they might still be racing each other next season, but it's not the same as being direct teammates, is it? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can add much to it other than that like it's yeah i i think that 
they're, they're close enough as as buddies as well to to not let anything that goes on in the team become too much of a, a hindrance either. Are they like if you know if they are racing each other directly? I think they've got enough like mutual respect for each other off the circuit to to not let something that happens on circuit cloud that and vice versa. So yeah, I, I think I think that they'll be they'll be all right racing alongside each other, even if it does come down to being for podiums. Mm. Okay, moving on. Um, Sam Van Outen says, after we saw Red Bull sucking badly all weekend before the race and Max pulling a Grosjean on his way to the grid, <laughs> the race had a great result for him. I do believe they have two cars that are essentially the same. The question is, how can Albon and Gasly before him be so much slower? Danny Rick was always there or thereabouts or even quicker. Does this just mean Gasly and Albon are just not on the right level or is there something in Max or Rick that just gets far more from that car than it should be able to deliver? I think it's. I think there's two parts to it. I think, I think part of it is just that Max Verstappen is an incredible racing driver and there aren't many drivers around that will be able to perform on his level. And I think Ricardo was probably close to that level and certainly a lot closer than anyone who's come after him in that team and then I think another part of it is just that Red Bull as we know tend to favour one driver over the other and that goes into the car development like they, they build cars that are going to work well for Max Verstappen um, and I've, I've seen like some analysis that people have said that actually Albon more so than Kvyat or Gasly, uh, has a fairly similar driving style to Verstappen. So this car should suit him more than it did the others. But ultimately, yeah, Verstappen's just ridiculously good and not many people will be able to compete with him. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I kind of agree with that. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think I think Max's Grosjean on the way to the grid was... Um, <laughs> Uh, like Banter, a, wasn't it? <laughs> a, a blip, realistically. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't particularly see things like that from him. Um, like the the fact that he showed such a, a clear headed and dominant, perf- well, performance. I said dominant, obviously he didn't win it or anything, but you know, what I mean, it, it was a very solid drive after the excellent work from the Red Bull mechanics. So I think it just shows how good Max is. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily the the whole album Gasly and so on are bad. I think it's just that Max is that much better than the rest. It's like you don't say Bottas is bad. It's just that Lewis is that much better, and so on. Mm. Like I think it's just that he is that step above. He's just one of the one of the elites. I think. Yeah, maybe. I mean, let's remember Albon's not as long in that team as what what Max Verstappen has so yeah yeah exactly and he's not probably coming into the same kind of competition as what Max Verstappen did Max came in to sort of what it was Ricardo in there Ricardo yeah great driver really really competitive um I just don't think I don't think Ricardo's as good as Max Verstappen I hate to say it so probably Albon's got a much harder job matching up to Verstappen than what Verstappen had matching up to Ricardo, I'd say. 
Uh, Wesley Paul says, uh, Ferrari announced a bit of a shake-up in the staff to address uh, performance issues. How much of their current woes can be attributed to complacency? Uh, you know the whole, but hey, we're Ferrari kind of approach. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah, it, that is kind <laughs> of what it is, I think, isn't it? It's, we're Ferrari, we will build a good car, and it'll work. Do not insult the car. It's your yeah, own fault yeah. if you can't make it's, it work. It's, like, it's that scene from Rush, isn't it, where Nicky Lauda gets in the car, drives it around, and he calls it a poo-poo box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the engineer's like, you can't call it poo-poo box. It's a Ferrari. It's Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> it's Ferrari. And... That's pretty representative of Ferrari's attitude towards building cars, I think. We built it, therefore it's amazing. Until it comes yeah. to a racetrack and there's a Mercedes there. So, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I would say in the last 30 to 40 years, the only two people to criticise a Ferrari... In fact, no, sorry, there's three now. Prior to last weekend, the, other, <laughs> the, weekend before, the only two people to criticise a Ferrari were probably Nicky Lauda and Michael Schumacher. And then look yeah. what they went on to then help the, those teams improve those yeah. iterations of the team Actually, to do. There was Alan Prost as well, but they fired him before we got a chance oh, yeah. to, uh, to improve. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, true. Yeah, I mean, reading between the lines of that kind of statement we mentioned earlier, the whole, um, how did they word it? The fundamental weakness the team has had. I mean, reading between the lines, it kind of sounds like that's what's in, implied by that, doesn't it? is that they've just not been approaching it properly. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we, we put the yellow badge on it and it goes three seconds faster. Like, yeah. Sadly not. not. When, yeah, not when Mercedes have got something to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Katie says, if Hamilton was in the pink Mercedes, would he still Ooh. be able to win the World Drivers' Championship, do you think? Ooh, well, he was in it last year, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and he won a World Championship, so there's your answer. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, at the minute, <laughs> probably, yes. Absolutely baffled you both. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> at the minute, I'd say, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, given the how good that Mercedes is this year, I don't think even Lewis Hamilton in that pink car would be enough to beat a decent enough driver in it. So if, if Bottas, Hamilton and Stroll swapped, swapped seats, who would be faster? There you go. If Hamilton and Stroll... Team swap seats then congratulations to Valtteri Bottas on your world championship (laughs) (laughs) very good answer strategically avoiding answering who would do better have you thought about moving into politics Chris (laughs) god Um, should we do another one yep Uh, Charlotte Taylor will Lewis be as dominant at Silverstone as he has been the past few years without the fans there he talks a lot about getting energy from the crowd. That is true, but I think he's got such a good car at the moment that, you know, yeah, he, he doesn't need any more energy than what the car's got. <laughs> what about you guys? Quick, quick answers for that one. I think if he finds himself in second, trying to chase down a win, there might be an element, might be something to that. But he's, I mean, he's a professional. He's the best in the world at what he does. He's I think it's going to make a huge difference, is it, really? It sounds nice when they say the crowd is worth an extra few tenths at Silverstone, yeah. but in reality... I mean, it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> They're just saying it because it gets Twitter followers and Instagram <laughs> followers and whatnot. 
these yeah. guys have if if they needed a crowd behind them to go fast then they wouldn't be driving in formula one <laughs> yeah exactly uh, next yeah. one should we do the next one yes we shall uh liam says for the 70th anniversary grand prix in celebration of where it all started do you think they should use the old start finish and old pit complex uh yes the facilities aren't as good as the new wing but it's definitely usable for a one-off event i mean it's good enough for the f2 paddock yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'd love is if I could use the old pre twenty ten circuit, but um, oh, that'd be cool. Having walks on what's left of bridge, that's yeah. definitely not ready yeah. for yeah, a cars no, to be racing on it. Don't want to be, yeah, you no, don't want to drive down there on the F one car. Um, enough, I've been um, playing the new um, Assetto Corsa a lot, and although that uses the same circuit as F one, they use the old pit complex and like the old start finish line, and the amount of times I'll come around on the last lap and drive past the wing and be like, sweet, I'm done. Oh, crap, no, I've got half a lap yet to go. <laughs> uh, I, um, I, I guess the, the boring, realistic answer to it is that one of the advantages for them having these back-to-back races is, is that they can turn up, build everything, load everything in, and then it can just sit there for a couple of weeks while they get a couple of races out of the way, especially yeah. being in the UK where a lot of the personnel live as well. It'll give them that much more time to actually be at home rather than being on the road for three weeks straight. So nice idea, but not realistic, unfortunately. It's a nice idea. I think I do I don't I think don't stop there. Don't stop by changing the layout of the track or by putting them on the different start finish line or using different pit complaints. Put them in different cars. Put them in like cars from <laughs> seventy years ago. <laughs> yeah. See who's fastest then. If it's the seventy anniversary seventieth anniversary, why not? Get out that um was it an Alfa Romeo that we saw last year that was clattering oh, around the track, to, yeah, oh, yeah, spilling oil everywhere, wasn't spitting it? out God knows what over the Jay. track before a Grand Prix. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> made a racket. It was a cool car. That it's great. Um, one more, yeah. Last question from Phil Mark uh, with George Russell on everyone's lips about where he should drive in a few years' time. If Mercedes retain Hamilton and Bottas or even sign somebody else, should Russell maybe go over to USA and race in a series there? No, not yet. <laughs> yeah, I no, no. Got, where, you, where you've got a where your bum's on the seat in a Formula One car, you stay in inside Formula One because that's yeah. where everyone can yeah, see exactly. you. I think um, um, Toto must have been listening to our podcast the last couple of weeks actually because uh, he's made a point in the last few days of saying that George Russell is very much still part of uh, the Mercedes family and the Mercedes plan. Um, and to be fair, he always had a three-year contract at Williams. Like by staying there, all they're really doing is honouring the contract he already had there. So it's not like it's a massive deal that he's staying there. Obviously, he'd rather be in the the car at the front rather than the car at the back. But mm. I think it'd be fine. As we said last week, I think he just needs to be patient for another year or two. Yeah. Um, how realistic do we think it is of of him being a prospect for the Aston Martin seat? <sighs> On a scale of one to ten, where would you put the chances of him for ever next year? Being considered that for that seat, yeah, for next year, why not? For next year, zero, zero, yeah. <laughs> zero. yeah if you oh, ain't Vettel, come on, no. come on. It's either it's either the current two or Vettel, isn't it? I don't think they're looking any further afield than that. They're not going to replace what they've got unless it's for a four-time world champion or similar. Yeah, so. I think sadly, I think you're right. Unless two of those three drivers, for some reason, don't want the seat, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, as for beyond that, possibly. 
I think if Mercedes still don't have a space for him in a, another couple of years' time, that might be a good spot for him. Mm. I honestly thought he, if, if it wasn't for sort of Lawrence Stroll taking over that team and Lance Stroll being there, I think he'd be in that seat by now. Yeah, if you'd asked me this question a couple of years, years ago, ago. Yeah. I'd have definitely said he'd have been there by now because he did a couple of um, free practice sessions, didn't he? Yeah, he while did. he was yeah, in yeah. F two for uh, for Racing Point. Force India, whichever it was at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Force India back then, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was only Racing Point last season. And yes, still it, was, it was. Force India now. Um, <laughs> and that, I think, wraps it up for this week. Um, if you want to, if you like what you've heard and you want to follow us, um, you can find us on Facebook by searching Back of the Grid. And you can find us on Twitter the same way and Instagram, I guess, the same way as well. Um, we do have real life handles for them, but I can never remember what they are because I don't look after that. Nobody wants to know anyway. No. I mean, they've got search tools. They can just search for them, right? Um, Well, yeah. So with all that, um, don't forget to submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com and you can contact us on backofthegrid.com as well. There's a contact form on there. And yeah, that's it for this week. So um, it's time to say goodbye. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Um, the other, I've got to sneeze. Excuse me. The <laughs> other, um, I just didn't even bother muting myself. Why? Why bother? <laughs> um, the. Uh...